Dark Child, and this is The Dark Verse, a collection of my strange works with the sole purpose of sharing with you a unique world of horror and fantasy that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. I hope you don't mind, but I would like to request that if you enjoy my podcast, you would consider purchasing my book from the Passages of Revenants, The Dark Verse, Volume 1. You can do this at sharkchildsremains.com. The book only costs $22.99, is shipped free, and has no sales tax. This book is of exceptionally high quality. I didn't just go the typical route of a self-publisher and produce a paperback book. I put a lot of money and time into this book and made sure that it came out with the quality and the look that I really wanted. So I urge you to please consider my book as a gift maybe for this holiday season please check out the video that i've created to to give you a little overview of the book you can download it on itunes and you can also find it on youtube thank you very much all right it's time for the good stuff the meat of this podcast and i will give you this piece or premise of the story before i lead you into the darkness and that premise is this possession through air particles good luck this is episode 56 of the dark verse and it is entitled a lonely imprisoned stranger i had an aunt who lived in the house beside my own She was a very peculiar woman. The very nature of her peculiarity allowed me only rare opportunities to see her, although she was never more than a couple room lengths away. She called the inside of her home the sterile sanctuary, which, specifically, meant that she arranged her belongings and adapted her living conditions in a way that promoted cleanliness to an astonishing degree. To achieve such an endeavor, she put everything into transparent plexiglass cases, creating pockets of living. These cases encapsulated everything from lights, cupboards, and dressers to the sofa and her bed. The house itself had a unique ventilation system installed that filtered and rotated the air over and over, never letting outside air in and never letting inside air out. The smaller cases were not connected to this system and were always airtight, but the cases that allowed human entrance were only airtight until vents that were affixed to them were opened. These included cases around the kitchen table, her rocking chair, and the toilets. Everything my aunt owned was protected from those things that collected in the air. To maintain habitable levels of oxygen, my aunt housed a plethora of small trees, each stationed beside a window inside a case with a vent. These trees were the heart of her system, and so she took immaculate care of them. 
Before being brought into the house and placed in their proper cases, the trees were hosed off, removed from their previous pots and soil, scrubbed down in my aunt's own sterilizing solution, and placed in the transitional vacuum chamber connected to the house's front door. In this chamber, the air from the outside was completely extracted from around the trees before they were brought inside and planted into pots and soil that had been scrupulously cleaned. A similar process was required for any item or person who wished to enter my aunt's house. Her reasons for this lifestyle were not sane, at least not when first heard. She believed that the air contained the remnants of various elements not native to the world and not detectable by technology. To be in contact with these remnants, she believed, meant that there was a severe increase in the susceptibility of possession. And even then, she was not worried about the most severe form of possession, which was full bodily control. She was worried about the influence of a single thought or the push of a minor suggestion. She abhorred the possibility of existential alteration at its smallest form. When my aunt left her house, she took the air from inside with her in a tank. To a regular person, it would have seemed like she just needed breathing assistance. But she was as healthy as she ever had been. When she returned home from outings, she would apply the same zealous cleaning process to herself and all those items she wished to bring inside, a repetitive and rigorous undertaking. I had been inside of my aunt's house about seven times by the time I was the age of seventeen years old. Each of those journeys next door was haunting and entertaining, an inspiration to the bizarreness of the world. They were twisted treats, but I was supposed to think my aunt was crazy. I was supposed to despise those trips, but I did not. During my eighteenth year, the relationship my aunt and I had radically evolved. We were talking on the phone one night about a dance performance I had the previous evening at school, and she suddenly let forth an inner voice that had been previously hiding. She invited me over to watch some old musicals, and I accepted. This ended up being the first occasion that I went over to my aunt's by myself. After that evening, our time together increasingly lengthened, and so the sanitary sanctuary became an ordinary getaway. On one casual Thursday afternoon, I wandered over to my aunt's house after school to hear what she thought about a strange story on the news. Once inside the transitional vacuum chamber, I took off my clothes and rubbed myself with my aunt's cleaning solution. I then rang the doorbell. My aunt initiated the chamber's mechanism and the air within was expelled. With that air, I also exhaled the full containment of air in my lungs, for that air, too, had come from the outside. As soon as all of the air was gone, the front door opened to a pile of clean clothes. I put them on and walked inside. Aunt Fulagine, I began speaking before my aunt was in sight. Did you hear about the two-headed pigeon that was found today? Yes, she responded, but it's of no news to me. 
you shouldn't be surprised by the effects air has on genetics. These types of abnormalities have existed since the first extraterrestrial demigod lowered himself to the stature of a cell, to take the slimmest chance at tasting the physical life of another world. My aunt's hair was short, curly, and brunette, and her complexion was that of a pale moon. Despite her odd personality, she was rather attractive. Whatever you say, Aunt Fulgine. The creepiest thing about it was that one of the heads had obviously pecked the other to death. Now, now, that's just the... My aunt stopped mid-sentence and stared at me, and then shook her head. Never mind. So why did you come over, she continued. Well, I came over to talk about the pigeon. Ha! Like I said, old news. Let's watch some TV. I followed my aunt to the family room. She hit a switch and opened the vents on the cage surrounding the couch and then opened a panel on the side of the case, allowing us to get inside. She closed the case and we started watching Sepulcher Nation. About halfway through the show, Aunt Fullergine exited the case, closed it behind her, and went over to the kitchen. Almost as soon as she reached the kitchen, the vents on the case around the couch closed. Aunt Fulgine, what's going on? I asked. She did not respond. I looked for her, but I could not see her. Aunt Fulgine, I spoke a little bit louder. The vents over here closed. Can you open them back up? I tried to open the case, but my aunt must have locked it on her way out. I'm sorry, my aunt said as she entered the room again. I'm not going to be able to do that. You plainly have articles of filth located beneath the fingernails of your right hand. I looked down at my hand to see that she was correct. I had been scrubbing off grime on my car's rims and forgot to clean the hand thoroughly. Comfort was a horrible status to attain with my aunt. I had slacked off on the methodology needed to appease the sterile sanctuary's system. Aunt Fulgine, it's not that much. I'll clean it up right away. Doesn't work like that. It's already entered my environment. The obtrusive artifact must be contained and disposed of by the necessary means. The air must be completely extrapolated. What do you mean? I whined. For goodness sake, I'm your nephew. I'll just clean this up and I'll leave. You won't ever have to worry about me again. But I can't let you leave. Aunt Fulgine overly enunciated her words. The contaminant must be eradicated. I am the contaminant, though, I yelled. Yes, that is the problem. This is going to be hard for me to watch. I'm going to leave. My aunt left the room. Wait, I said. Wait, come back. My demented aunt was not going to free me. She was going to let me suffocate. The obsession of her ways was stronger than the blood of family. It did not matter who I was. I'd become an incurable threat to her operation. But just like my aunt, I had certain standards. One of them was not giving into death. I flipped over the couch and kicked at one of its legs. Eventually, it came off. With the splintered end facing out, I went mad at one of the sides of the plexiglass enclosure just as the air began to grow noticeably thin. At the end of my rampage, 
the sheath of the glass had been shattered apart. I kicked the remnants out of the way and exited the case. Just as I exited, my aunt came running back into the room. No! she yelled angrily. She came at me, but I forcefully threw her to the ground. With adrenaline and rage still boiling, I ran to the front door, opened it, and then opened the door of the transitional vacuum chamber, allowing outside air to flow freely into the sanitary sanctuary. I ran back to my aunt. It's over, I said. This whole circus is through. Without responding, Aunt Fulogin took a drastic breath and held it in. She ran towards the kitchen table's case and fumbled with the door to let herself in. I intervened and plunged the leg of the couch through the last opening left just before the case door closed. It halted a completed course. I grabbed the door through the crack and opened it back up. My aunt's face turned crimson as she continued to hold her breath. Breathe, I screamed at her. Just breathe. But she would not breathe, and so the crimson of her face turned to a deep purple. And as she held her breath, she stared at me with wide, shaking eyes. I stared back at her as I boxed her in, allowing her no exit. As I stared into her eyes, I began to see the sincere desperation there residing. There was truth. There was fear. Her countenance then altered to one of acceptance. And just as I thought the fireworks of distant playful hells would erupt inside her head, she engulfed an insidious bout of air, moving her lips greedily like arms gathering a bountiful treasure. Her throat seemed to crawl towards the air, as if it could physically grip it and elevate the body. And then something happened that allowed me to understand and believe in the words of my aunt. Like invisible piranhas, the air began to scour my aunt's body, picking at her and pulling at her. Small pieces of her flesh started rotating as if they were small worlds spinning around a star. Soon her whole body was animated by the revolving scales, and when the connecting strings and tissue of the twisting pieces were severed, they dispersed and fell to the floor, taking apart my aunt as if she were made of dust. On the floor, the mass of my aunt's remains continued to move, each piece of her perished body possessed by an archaic and inexplicable form of life that starved to be a part of this tangible realm. Disgust immediately overcame me. I took a bottle of my aunt's vodka and poured it atop the desperate things, found and lit a match, and dropped it atop the hideous mass as I bolted out of the sterile sanctuary's world forever. I never understood what happened that day, and had no way to ever know for sure, but this was my best theory. Everything that Aunt Fulgine told me was the truth, but because it never occurred to me that it was the truth, it never could have possibly occurred to me that my aunt was never my aunt. She was one of the demigods, the rapturous voyagers. My real aunt was nothing but a woman whose lungs were vulnerable to the entities of the air, possession, just as some are allergic to light and others are lactose intolerant. But what I will never understand is why she was ravaged so violently by the others. Why did she strive so fiendishly to keep them away? 
What wrong had she done them? She, my aunt, it, was nothing but a lonely, imprisoned stranger. That concludes episode 56 of The Dark Verse. You can find all of the past episodes at thedarkverse.com or you can get them on iTunes. Please become my fan on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash sharkchild. If you'd like to contact me about anything, you can do so at m at sharkchild.com. Don't forget to check out the book and support me. You can do that at sharkchildsremains.com. All right. Have a very happy Thanksgiving, and I will catch you at a later time. All stories on the dark verse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without my written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love. Love.